Hey, this is Rondé Barber, former Virginia Cavalier, now class of 2023 Pro Football Hall of Famer. You're listening to Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I'm your host, Scott Ratcliffe. With me, as always, is the Virginia State Hall of Famer, Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. How you doing today, Hootie? Doing great, and I hope you are. I'm doing well, and I know a lot of UVA, UVA fans probably don't want to revisit the NC State game, but we are going to dive right in and talk about what went wrong uh, as UVA fell to 11-4 and overall in a 76-60 loss at NC State in Raleigh. Uh, the Wolfpack currently in a four-way tie for second place at 3-1 and in the conferences. Um, UVA still within two games of the lead at 2-2. Two and two. Um, they shot 43% from the field, 33% from deep, 69% from the line. Uh, NC State with a 32-31 edge on the boards. UVA only turned the ball over eight times, only led to eight, uh, sorry, nine points on the other end. It was pretty close early on. Who's actually led by five or six, I believe it was, midway through the first half. Then the pack got hot, and that was pretty much it, as uh, Virginia could never really get back in it. Um, the turning point you talked about uh, – when Dennis Parker Jr., a freshman and a Virginia native, sank that 40-footer, uh, beat the shot clock. Um, just talk about kind of never really could get it going from that point. Yeah, well, I, I think that uh, was a dagger in, in Virginia's heart, so to speak. They they really did never recover from that shot and, and that just the way that swung the momentum in the game. And then State came out hot in the second half and – Really was never close until until it was all over, until it was academically all over. But uh, uh, you know, I, I I think even though Virginia's got some issues and they are yet to even be competitive on the road, the true road in the ACC so far, I'm still not sure that if I'm a Virginia fan, I'm going to throw in the towel on the season because, again, as you pointed out, NC State's a pretty decent basketball team. They were playing at home. And thus far, a lot of the teams in the league and and some of the better teams in the country have been struggling on the road. So, um, you know, this Virginia's had a week to set on this game, and we'll see what happens tomorrow down in – Winston-Salem uh, going up against a, another pretty good team in Wake Forest. Again, another Saturday road game, which Virginia has more of those than anybody in the conference this year and not uh, any weekend home games until late in the season. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think, uh, you know, Tony Bennett and his staff have had a week to – to work on some things and and I'm sure they're trying to look at every angle to try to make the team more competitive, not only just on the road, but overall. And yeah, you know, if if you look at their starting lineup the last couple of games, they've that's included Blake Buchanan, the six uh, ten freshman from Idaho. Who I'm told uh, people back there called, referred to him as the big potato, <laughs> <laughs> uh, according accordingly so. Um, 
But I, you know, I, I think uh, despite the fact that he's a freshman, uh, he he has shown Bennett and his staff some toughness and some grit in a couple of those games. Now he's uh, he's a player that most experts would look at and say he needs another year in the smokehouse, uh, another year to to develop his physical self. Uh, I've noticed in particular the last couple of games when he's clocked uh, some pretty good playing time. I think he played uh, at least 19 minutes in those two games. And he, he he's getting pushed off the block, being pushed out of position a lot. And, and that, you know, that just comes from being a, a freshman who hasn't had time to, to build his physique and, and strength the way Mike Curtis will do once he gets a chance to work with him more in in the weight room. And uh, the next three years, I don't think that'll be a problem. But right now, it's a bit of a problem. He can be aggressive, but there's nothing he can do when a, a bigger guy, um, particularly like DJ Burns, I mean, my goodness, he's going up against guys, uh, I think, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, um, close to 300 be- pounds. Yeah, I was going to say, got to be at least 250. I mean, he's, uh, they list him at 267, and I think that's being very gracious. Uh, I think he's more closer to three than he is 275. But, um, I mean, he's, he's a bull in a china shop down in the paint. I mean, he's kind of like um, the big guy from Duke a couple of years ago, where once he got down in the paint, Zion, Zion uh, there's not much you can do with him. And, um, particularly if you're Buchanan, because you don't have the bulk to hold up against that. Not that anybody else does either, but that's just one example. Uh, I've seen much smaller guys than, than Burns push Buchanan around. But I, I think they I think they have elected to go with Buchanan and see if he can help them and uh, just let him develop through maturation. And perhaps that's a, a smart thing to do because – you know, there's no cavalry coming. There's nobody going to come, and it's not like you can acquire new talent right now. And so I think uh, they've decided to go with some of the guys they have and, and try to develop them um, trial by fire. Yeah, kind of put in that situation after the the mass exodus that we've talked about many times, uh, but particularly in the front court. Um uh, getting back to the NC State game, kind of what went wrong? Um, that that shot that we were talking about from Parker, the the forty footer, that cut the score to nineteen eighteen. That was actually a Virginia lead, and that jump started a thirteen to two run. Um, the the Hoos did get back within seven by halftime, but like you said, they uh, went on another run there early in the second half, and it it was just uh, too much to overcome. They did have a little bit of a late push, but it was obviously a little too little too late. Um, Prior to that, Hootie, there was no real sense of urgency, you know, when they're down double digits. It didn't really seem like they were they had any interest in fighting back um, until it was too late. It seemed like Um, we know the talents there. We saw it against Texas A&M, Syracuse, uh, Louisville. Um, It's it's definitely been on display. Just they can't seem to take it away from John Paul Jones Arena. Um. You know the the big three, if you if you want to call them that, um, McNeely, Dunn, and Beekman all all got their their numbers. Um, 
you know, IMAC 18 points, four for seven from downtown. Uh, Ryan Dunn, 16.7 rebounds. And Reese had 12 points and 10 assists and only one turnover. Uh, there's, there wasn't much else. Um, you, you spoke about Buchanan being plugged in. He had about 23 minutes. Um, Rody and Groves uh, were a combined two for 12 from the field and 0 for 5 from downtown. Uh, we did see Jordan Minor a little bit at the end. Um, just what, um, who, who can step up and, and, and give some, you know, we've, we've seen Leon Bond contribute at times. We've seen Gertrude. We've seen Buchanan. They've all kind of done it in flashes. We've seen Tane Murray as well. Um, just do you think maybe everybody just needs to step it up a little bit more and, and, and just uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Again, you know, there's, Nobody knew coming in. So the the one thing that I think will help them if they can get Dante Harris back. He's missed the last nine games with that just a terrible ankle injury that um, he suffered during the Thanksgiving uh, practice session. But I think uh, you know, with if they can get him back in the lineup, that gives them um, two guys. He and Bigman who are both really good on-ball defenders, and that helps prevent the opposing point guard from setting up the offense and running the offense the way he would prefer to. So that will help him on that end of the floor. And then on the other end of the floor, I think Harris is also very adept at uh, as is Bigman, but uh, I think in some ways, maybe Harris even more so, is able to get the ball into the hands of Rody and Groves in where they feel comfortable taking shots. And I, I think that's something that will help them on that end of the floor too and give them two guys that can distribute the basketball. Um, don't know if he'll play Saturday against Wake Forest or not. Um, they need him back as soon as they can, but you know that's an injury you can't rush. And I, I think, like you said, some of the other guys are just going to have to step up their play a little bit. And I, I don't think it's any one guy in particular, but uh, everybody needs to elevate a little bit and see if they can figure out a way to at least be competitive to the end on the road. Um you know, guys like Dunn, uh, he was seven of eight against Louisville. So we, we know that he can score if he gets the ball in the right places. Um, McNeely seems like his shot has come back and he's feeling some confidence again. Uh, big minute uh, attacks. I think they're going to have to get more out of Rody and Groves uh, offensively in order to be effective. I, I don't know how much Tony trusts Gertrude and Bond right now. I mean, certainly for some minutes, but not extensive minutes because of their inexperience. And he needs uh, as much experience on the floor as he can right now. So uh, there's no magical solution to Virginia's issues. It's just going to take harder work and better scheming uh, maybe finding a way to get the ball into McNeely's hands a little bit more often than what they are. Um, 
I don't know if 11 shots a game is enough for him or not as much as, as he can score. But um, I think they're just going to have to bear down and, and show more grit and determination and, and get tougher. And uh, I think that's the only way they're going to get this thing turned back in their favor. Yeah, uh, I Mac, you, you mentioned him. Uh, he he's still second, I believe, and he was at least the other day in, in three point percentage with a minimum of two point five uh, threes per game at uh, four point nine or point four nine four, uh, right behind Wooga Poplar from Miami, who's at an even five hundred percent. Dunn, you know, he's he's still up there in in steals and blocks, um, the top five in both. Uh, Reese leading the ACC in assists and steals and assist to turnover ratio, or second in assist to turnover ratio and steals. Um, I guess what kind of things has has Tony Bennett done in the past, you know, midseason adjustments that maybe he won't be able to do this year, just in terms of the amount of newness um, that he's that we've alluded to with this group. Well, sometimes in the past he's been able to bring on uh, some personnel that were developing and give them more minutes, and maybe maybe that's an answer. But we'll only we'll only know as we go and see if that's the case. Because um, I mean, he's he, there's only X amount of guys he can give more time to, and that would be. Buchanan, Murray, Gertrude, and Bond uh, maybe minor, but minor hasn't shown that. I mean, even though he's been a little bit better in the last two games, he he hasn't shown that he can play uh, large minutes and and produce. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, in the past, uh, he hasn't been into this kind of situation very much they've usually been in control uh and have been a really good road team to boot but this year it's it's coming a little bit harder and that's not just a virginia problem I, there's a lot of teams in the conference and and some of the better teams in the country who are not finding the road very easy uh, i was looking at some stats the other day and it seems like uh winning percentage on the road this year in college basketball is a little bit less than it has been. That's the way it used to be. Uh, it used to be almost impossible to beat another team on, on its home court. Uh, and Virginia defied the odds for a long time by being successful on the road. So I, I don't know that, uh, that anything he's done in the past is going to help this team. It's, it's just a different kind of team and, He's just gonna have to demand more from the from the players he's got and and hope that they can deliver. We're gonna take a quick break and on the other side we'll dive into some numbers and we'll look ahead to the Wake Forest game. And we'll be right back. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, 
surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo, wahoo. Welcome back to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Taking a deep dive into the numbers from wins as opposed to losses uh, through 15 games. In UVA's 11 wins, they're scoring 71.2 points per game. In losses, they're in the four losses, they're averaging 52.3 points per game. Uh, points per game allowed, it's the it's flipped around. 51.4 allowed by the Who's, and they're giving up uh, 73.5 in losses. Uh, so that's a point differential of plus 19.8 in wins and minus 21.2 in losses. Um, when you look at the shooting percentages, 48% uh, from the field and 39% from three in wins. In losses, 39% from the field, 25% from downtown. Um, rebounds, it's been a, an area of concern all season. It's a little bit better in the wins, plus 11 on the boards overall. You're negative 41 uh, in losses. Uh, on the offensive boards alone, they're negative 17. They're actually better in, in losses than, on, than in wins on the offensive glass. They, they're negative 12 in offensive rebounds and losses, negative 17 in wins. Um, turnovers is another kind of crazy stat here. 45 turnovers. Uh, in losses, but it's only four. That's 11.3 per game, um, 7.3 per game in wins. Um, and opponents are averaging 14 points per game off of those turnovers in the in the losses. And Virginia is only giving up 7.6 in wins. So, Hootie, uh, just your take on those numbers, just the, <laughs> the, the highs and the lows, as you uh, can see. Yeah, I mean, it's a contrast that I can't ever remember uh, during the Tony Bennett era at Virginia that those are it's like day and night on the on the road. Um, it, it's inexplicable to some degree because they should be able to shoot nearly as well on the road as they do at home. I, I don't know what the disconnect is, um, but that's something that they've got to solve and perhaps they put a lot of research and work into that during their break here since they haven't played in a week. Um, they've got to find some answers because you, you can't keep getting blown out on the road like that. And, I, you know, you got to give them a little bit of credit because, like I said, those losses have come to some pretty good teams on their home court. Uh, I know Notre Dame was – had been struggling until they played Virginia, but they have some talent and they've played pretty well since that Virginia game. They, uh, it's, it's like, I, I think Shrewsbury had a real come to Jesus meeting with his team after that loss 
to the Citadel at home when they got beaten by 20 points on their own home court. And they've, they've been a different team since they've started ACC play. And NC State, like we said, has been tough at home. And, of course, Memphis is uh, it's like a, a G League, playing a G League team. They've got so many older guys and uh, some real acquired talent through the transfer portal. Practically a brand new team from what Penny, what Hardaway had a year ago. Um, but they, I don't know. It's I'm sure they're looking at every aspect of as to how they can turn this thing around, and and it starts Saturday in Winston Salem, and and that's not going to be an easy task because um, the Deacons were on a nine game winning streak until they lost uh, to. Uh, Florida State the other night, and they're you know they they're right up there in the upper echelon of the ACC standings right now, not far behind Carolina. So uh, I'm sure that they have designs on uh, finishing as one of the top three or four teams in the conference when it's all said and done. They're they're going to be tough to beat at home, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and I think they're not. I think they're undefeated at home. By the way, nine and zero. Yep, they are, you're right about that. They're just like UVA, perfect nine and zero at home. Um, the the Demon Deacons are eleven and four overall, three and one in the ACC. They're half game out of for for a game out of first place now. Um, they received thirty eight votes in the most recent AP poll, twenty one in the coaches poll. Um, they're technically thirty second if you look at it that way in the AP and thirty fifth in the coaches poll. Um, so they're 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 definitely they're on the fringe of of being ranked. Um, lost at FSU, like you said, on Tuesday night, but had won nine in a row and ten of their last eleven. They beat in Florida, Miami, Virginia Tech um, during that stretch. Um, and what's been the key to their success has been a, a kind of they got a big three of their own. Uh, Central Michigan transfer Kevin Boopy Miller. He's leading the team with seventeen point nine points per game. Uh, also best in the team on the team in assists and steals uh, is averaging 4.1 assists and 1.7 steals. He's essentially stepped right in for Tyree Appleby, what he was doing last year. I mean, Tyree Appleby was pretty much leading, leading the league in assists and, and right up there in scoring as well. I mean, he might've led, led the league in scoring last year. Um, and Miller was just named ACC player of the week after posting a career high 27 points on 10 of 19 shooting, uh, three from three from downtown. And that was his fourth 20-point game of the season. Uh, so he, he'll be definitely one, be one to keep an eye on. Um, he also put up 17 points earlier in the week against Boston College on seven of nine shooting. So he's he's not only scoring, but he's, he's, he's being efficient from the floor. Uh, we assume Reese will get the bulk of the defensive assignment, and he's obviously known to shut down those opposing big-time scoring guards. Uh, just how important will that matchup be if Virginia wants to notch that first road win? Well, it's going to be huge. Um, you can't let the other team's top score kill you, uh, and particularly a team like Wake that has some pretty good balance. And we were listening to Steve Forbes on the ACC teleconference this week, and he was lamenting that, you know, for – much of their early schedule, they were without Efton Reed, who transferred in from uh, Gonzaga, I believe. Uh, they were waiting on him to get cleared, and um, 
he's been a solid contributor since he's been back. And they they have also been without uh, one of their top scorers from a year ago, Damari Monsanto. Monsanto uh, yep. Averaged uh, 13 points a game last season. He's not expected back until later in the month. And uh, Forbes was uh, asked if, if the NCAA uh, selection committee and, and all the bracketologists out there who he had them confused with proctologists, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there's a lot of difference. But anyway, uh, he said he thought they should give them some credit because uh, as best as he can remember it, the, the season's not determined in November, but uh, more so in February and early March. So uh, he believes his team is uh, better than than its record and better than it's being given credit for right now. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a tough task down in Winston uh, going up against a, a pretty balanced team uh, on the offensive end of the floor that that plays uh at a faster pace and and obviously uh tempo will will dictate part of the game and that's something that Virginia needs to take control of early try to take wake some of their strengths away and uh see if they can make a game of it and at least give themselves a chance in the final 10 minutes of the game and we talked about Miller. There's there's two other guys to really keep an eye on in the backcourt there. Uh, pick your poison. It's what it's going to be. Gonzaga transfer, another one. Hunter Salas, he's right behind him at 17.8 points per game. Uh, Cam Hildreth, a uh, guy that, that's back from last year, um, he's at 16.9 points per game. Uh, he tied the single game scoring high of any conference player this season with 33 points in a game against Elon earlier this year. Um, all three of those guys are ranked in the top 10 in the ACC in scoring entering Wednesday. Um, and you've also got sharp shooting freshman guard P- Parker Fredrickson, I believe it is, like coming off the bench. All can hurt you from three-point land. And like you mentioned, we haven't even seen Damari Monsanto yet all season. Um, and so you got definitely a loaded backcourt. Down low, you got Andrew Carr. He's a 6'10 senior who's putting up 13.3 points and seven-point rebounds a night. Uh, another Gonzaga transfer, like you said, Efton Reed, the seven footer out of Richmond, who UVA was actually looking at, um, at high school, and he's averaging eight points and nine rebounds a game. In I guess he's played eight games so far. So, um, like you said, it's about ba- it's a balanced team. There's it's it's a high scoring team. I believe they're right up in the top three or four in in scoring in the ACC. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be a, a battle down in, in Winston-Salem. And, uh, before we go to another break, uh, you had Wally Walker on your show on the Jerry and Jerry show on Tuesday. Um, just talk a little bit about what you guys, uh, discussed. Yeah, it's archived on our site for anybody who wants to, uh, listen to that or, or watch it. Uh, I think it's available on, uh, on all, every platform that you can imagine podcasts are on um we had a huge audience for that show 
I know uh, at least 14 states in every corner of the Commonwealth were tuned in to the show, and um, we thought it would be great to have Wally back on, not just to talk about his fabulous career as being the the hero of the miracle in Landover back in 76 when Virginia won its first ACC tournament, and he was the MVP and won the Everett Case Award as uh, as the MVP. Um and then what he went on to do in the pros, not only uh, capturing two NBA championships as a player, but later becoming um, CEO and general manager of the Seattle Supersonics and uh, was also uh, president, I think, of the uh, WNBA team out there as well. Uh, Seattle Storm, yeah. Yeah, he went to uh, Stanford and got his MBA and worked for Goldman Sachs. Uh, after he got out of basketball, he started up his own company and was very successful. So uh, he has a really good business acumen to go along with his sports background, which uh, makes him a perfect guy to return to Charlottesville as a deputy AD and uh, he's here to try to help Virginia maneuver through this wild, wild west, uh, uncharted territory of NIL and and the uh, financial challenges of today in modern day college athletics. Nobody knows where all this is going. Um, there's a lot of proposals on the board about breaking up the NCAA, as far as football is concerned, and and going to a uh, another level where you don't really have conferences anymore, but you have teams that want to pay to play uh, players in a division of I don't know thirty to fifty schools or more, depending on who wants to finance that sort of thing, and uh, there'd be schedule makers. Uh, a central schedule maker, kind of like in the NFL. I guess there would be divisions. Uh, there'd be a lower tier of te- of schools that don't want to pay that kind of money to athletes. Um, we're talking about potential player unions. We're talking about potential uh, em- uh, having players as employees. I, it's it's crazy all the things that are potentially going to happen in, in college sports, which I think they've ruined with uh, the unlimited transfer portal and the unlimited NIL. And I mean, the, the professional leagues have more organization, more rules and uh, contracts and things now than college athletics, which I, I think helped to drive the two winningest coaches in the game out of the sport. I, I think that's one of the reasons that Mike Krzyzewski decided to call it quits. I think that's had an influence on Nick Saban's uh, announcement this week that he was retiring. Uh, who knows how many more great coaches are going to be claimed because it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's gotten so far out of hand. Uh I don't know what they need to do, but they they need to come up with some solutions and maybe have a commissioner for 
college football and a commissioner for college basketball or something and, and try to get some rules set to where there's some some organization other than the NCAA's uh, lameness to try to get college sports under control. But um, getting back to the topic, uh, Wally Walker's here to to help guide Virginia through these times and um, with his financial background and, and looking for new revenue streams to try to help Virginia stay on top of the game. The, I, I, the one thing I think he indicated is that Virginia doesn't want to be caught by surprise if no matter what happens in the future, that they want to be prepared to handle anything that comes their way, whether it be conference realignment or, or whatever. And um, one of the, one of the things he mentioned was that uh, there might be some corporate sponsorships looming in the future. Uh, don't be surprised someday if you see uh, a logo like this or some other company logo on a, on jerseys um, with corporations starting to back financially back some of these college programs, including UVA. So um, hang on. We don't know what's going to happen, but uh, Wally's here to try to traverse all these uh, crazy situations as best as, as possible. I would encourage you, if you're a Virginia fan, to uh, give a listen to that podcast. Uh, it's very eye-opening. Yeah, definitely a great, great listen. Uh, hour long, I think you guys went. Yeah, an uh, hour seemed like 20 minutes. Yeah, it, it was a great interview. Um, great show. You guys, uh, Jerry Miller, the host. Um, and that's every Tuesday morning at 1015, um, for those of you who are not aware. Um, and we're going to take one more break. On the other side, we will step into the college football news around grounds, um, the transfer portal, like it or not. It's active. It's been active. Um, and we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much, I ran my first marathon that year. Then, because I believed in the Good Feet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet Store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome back to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Hootie, the the college football news is, has been active as we were mentioning uh just got 11 commitments so far out of the transfer portal um you got one quarterback three wide receivers two tight ends an offensive lineman on the other side of the ball you got a linebacker and three defensive backs uh so a lot of positions of need are being filled um do you want to go ahead and list the uh the, the new names or yeah, the, uh, they signed all four of these new guys they, they acquired within four days uh, last week. Um, former Clemson tight end, um, Sage Ennis, 
former Eastern Michigan cornerback, Kempton Shine, um, another cornerback, uh, Germanian uh, Jackson from Robert Morris, and um, quarterback, Gavin Frakes from New Mexico State, who um, didn't really play this past season, but played a lot as a true freshman. I think he started five games out there for Jerry Kill, who has since resigned. But um, uh, th those were all areas of need uh, in the program, something that Tony Elliott told us on National Signing Day in late December that he was still in the business for a couple corners, a, a quarterback, um, and uh, another tight end. They've got two tight ends through the portal, the other kid from Harvard. And um, so I, th I think they're pretty much at what they need right now. They they could still the, – the portal closed on January 2nd, except for schools who lost their coach, like Alabama, for instance. When Saban announced he was retiring, that opened the po portal for 30 days for all the Alabama players if they want to leave um, or decommit or, or whatever um, – so uh, the portal will reopen again April 15th for, um, I think it's two weeks, or I don't think it's 30-day, a 30-day window. I think it might be two weeks, but uh, that will give players who uh, perhaps found out during their spring practices that they're not going to fit into the program the way they had hoped uh, to maybe look for another avenue so uh but right now the portal's closed for most players uh if you're if you're in the portal you can still sign with somebody i believe uh, but you just can't enter the portal during this uh during this time so uh the fact that they uh, got another quarterback i think helps because uh, even though you got two starters coming back and tony musket and anthony calandria uh if you'll think back in the season, that's why Calandria's red shirt was burned because Musket got hurt. Calandria was the starter forced into a starting uh, situation because the only other quarterback they had on the roster was a non-scholarship walk-on in uh, Grady Brosterhouse, who uh, will became famous for the tush-push play, quarterback sneak, and uh, ran that to perfection. But uh, any time that Calandria took off with the ball in those uh, late season games. The coaching staff was holding its breath because if he got hurt, you've got to turn your whole offense over to a guy who has literally very little experience just with quarterback sneak, essentially. So um, it was important to get uh, another experienced quarterback into the system. So that'll help. Um, I think you can never have too many tight ends and uh, having a guy that played and started some games for Clemson certainly uh, is should be a boost to your roster. And then they, they were in desperate need of corners. So both of these guys are uh, who have playing experience and um, one of them has, I think, three years of eligibility left. Um, it allows them to help their depth for next year and and for the future. So 
Uh, I think Virginia has done a really good job in the transfer portal. I haven't looked at their newest number since these latest four joined, but um, they were among the uh, top few schools in the ACC in terms of boosting their um, roster through the portal. And uh, they didn't, they did a good job of retaining talent uh, due in part to uh, a much more enhanced NIL program than they had before. I, I think uh, some Virginia people stepped up and really made a difference with the NIL contributions. And uh, that has helped Elliot retain a lot of the really good players that they had targeted to keep in, in, in school. To, to stay in the program and uh, that should help them going forward to the light as we know the last two years before they uh, were hurt badly by uh, a mass exodus of players particularly offensive linemen in the portal and so this year um, they've done a really really good job uh, and they should be saluted for for uh, keeping a lot of their roster intact. Uh, I think they did lose 15 guys through the portal, but I, I think only one of them was a part-time starter and the others were reserves or redshirt freshmen uh, who had not had an impact on the program at this point. So uh, I think they're, at, the, at least at this point, they're heading into a new season with uh, perhaps more experience and uh, less damage through the portal than than in the past, the previous two years. And those four names that you mentioned, uh, they're in addition to uh, the two corners you mentioned, uh, Jermarian Jackson and Kempton Shine, and another one they got Kendron Smith from Penn. Um, and then the linebacker was Corey Thomas Jr. from Akron. And then on the offensive side of the ball, in addition to Frakes and Ennis, you've got uh, Tyler Neville was the the other tight end from Harvard. And then the three wide receivers, Chris Tyree from Notre Dame, Andre Green Jr. from UNC, and Trail Harris from Kent State. Uh, in addition to offensive lineman Drake Metcalf, uh, who played at Central Florida and started his career at Stanford. Um so it's a it's a it's a nice group of incoming transfers for sure. Um, experience all around, like you said. Um, you also received word, and it's great news for Coach Rodzinski and his defensive line. Chico Bennett, Cam Butler, and Jameer Carter all will be back next season. Uh, Antonio Clary, safety, will also be back for another year. Um, and like you mentioned, the the flip side was the fifteen players that have entered the portal. Not a lot of big names like like you mentioned. Uh, quarterback Devin Sherwood, uh, running backs Ahmad Falston and Kobe Brown, wide receiver Demeek Starling, tight end Joshua Rawlings, uh, offensive lineman Justice Johnson, Snoop Leota, Amama. Uh, he is actually committed to Nevada, and Falston has committed to Hampton. Uh, those are the only two that have committed so far. On the defensive side of the ball, Sue Agunlier. Defensive line, uh, linebackers Lex Long, Jonathan Horton, and Sam Brady. 
and defensive backs, Dave Harrard, William Simpkins, Devin Clark, and Carlo Thompson. So a lot of, you know, there is always the possibility that they could come back, but as we've seen in, in, you know, most situations, once you're in the portal, you're, you're gone. (laughs) Pretty much. And I, you know, I, I think the one guy that they would like to have back is Lex Long. I think he had a lot of promise and, um, I'm surprised he left really because um, I'm sure his playing time would have increased this year. He spent most of this season injured, I believe. So, but uh, I, I, I think it really helped him getting Chris Tyree and Andre Green Jr. Uh, from Notre Dame and North Carolina, respectively, to uh, shore up the receiving core. And uh, I mean, Tyree. Looks like he's a dynamic player. Green had some incredible numbers in high school. They're both from the state of Virginia. And um, so I think uh, those those two guys could be fun to watch this year, along with two experienced quarterbacks who can fling it. So um, I think offensively, uh, with the entire, I think the entire offensive line, maybe one guy, it's gone. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the depth chart, but uh, I think most of the offensive line, if not all of it, returns, and they were able to develop a couple other guys um, this season by necessity. So um, offensively, I, I think they've got to be pretty happy with with what they're going to put on the field in training camp uh, come August. Uh, defensively, they needed to fill some spots, and uh, it looks like they've done a pretty decent job of that. And I know it was good news uh, for Rudzinski to to get a lot of those guys come back for another year. So um, things are looking up, um, and now it's uh, uh, this is going to be a big year for Tony Elliott and his staff to prove that they can uh, turn the corner. I mean they had so many games they lost by a touchdown or less, three points or less in some cases this past season. Had they been able to turn up just a couple of those games, they would have at least been in consideration for a bowl game. And uh, people would, have, I think, been fairly pleased with that kind of progress. And this year they, they've got to get it done. And uh, – <clears throat> I think the schedule is, is again going to be a challenge, but um, they need to make hay early and then try to uh, see if they can move the program forward. And we'll, we'll, I'm sure, do a, another podcast that will dive deeper into the 13 member high school recruiting class that uh, signed on signing day recently. Um, and then also, uh, three commitments already for the 2025 class. You got off- offensive lineman John Adair uh, from Nashville, 6'5, 265. Um, quarterback Cole Gear from Massachusetts, and a wide receiver Isaiah Robinson from Trinity Episcopal in the Richmond area. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely touch on the uh, recruiting at a later date. And, uh, but what are your, what are your, overall thoughts on just where the program is quickly on uh in in the in the recruiting aspect well they they've again they've done a and they had to do a a 
really good job in the portal because their high school recruiting class is not considered um, a high quality. But then again, you never know with some of these things because they ended up playing, what, a dozen true freshmen this past season. And uh, a lot of them had some really strong contributions, including Calandria, who was completely written off by the recruiting services. Uh, he only got one, I think, uh, Power 5 offer prior to coming to Virginia. Uh, and look what he did. He was uh, among the most dynamic freshmen in the country this past season and didn't even start but half the game. So um, you can't totally believe in the some of these recruiting labels that they put on kids. Um, it's more about who can fit into your program and, and who wants to play football and who loves football. And you can't measure that in stats uh, or uh, height, weight, uh, speed, et cetera. Now, granted, um, if you're a, a, a player for the national championship, uh, if uh, studies have shown that every national champion uh, since they've been doing this uh, in the new playoff system and uh, I think maybe even a little bit beyond that have had the best recruiting class in the nation uh, at some point during that four-year span of, of players. And, uh, you know, when we're talking about recruiting classes, uh, on that scale, on that level, it does mean something. But, uh, you know, once you get beyond that, I, I think it's more about who fits your program and, and who you think you can coach up and, and utilize to to help your team get better. And and uh, I would have to say they did a pretty good job with a, a class that was really disregarded a year ago, and they ended up with 12 guys playing, again, some out of necessity, some out of – trying to build depth for the future. But um, some of these kids can play football. And, uh, again, Calandria, you can't find a better example th than than him. Uh, so I, I think they've, uh, again, even though their high school recruiting class was, was, again, disregarded by the national rankings, uh, there's probably some guys in there that are going to be able to contribute as true freshmen this coming fall. And uh, you couple that with doing a really good job in the portal, again, out of necessity. And I think uh, I think they made some strides. So I think it'll, it'll show up on the football field come September. Cam Robinson, another uh, super freshman, this past year, all American. That's right. Uh, along with Calandria. Um, speaking of all Americans, Malik Washington coming up on his East West Shrine Bowl appearance. That's uh, February 1st. And then he'll be headed to the NFL Combine. Uh, got an invite to that as well. Um, he had, was all American recognition by 13 different outlets. Um, so, can, uh, good luck, best of luck to him. Uh, Mike Hollins, of course, uh, Courage Awards that he won, including Comeback Player of the Year. 
Um, just some some great stories coming out of, uh, from from the program from those guys. And Bronco Mendenhall is back in the coaching world, back at his old stomping grounds of New Mexico. Uh, took a lot of his former UVA staff with him, Hootie. Yeah, he uh, got the band back together to some degree, and and also made some hires of some guys that were that had played for him uh, at Virginia. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I wish him well. I always had a lot of respect for Bronco. He, I, I had a good relationship with him, I believe, and uh, he definitely made a difference here at Virginia. Um, it was a shame that things fell apart at the end like they did but i think uh i think he wants to prove some things out there at new mexico and again like you said it's his old familiar stomping grounds he had um, been the defensive coordinator for the lobos back before he went to byu and uh, learned a lot about football there and something that he will apply as he, he tries to rebuild that program. They've struggled for several years now, and I think I think he'll make a difference out there. Wish him well. Most definitely. Um, a couple more notes before we sign off here. Uh, the women's basketball team took a tough loss, another uh, tough week for them. Uh, they were at number six NC State uh, on Thursday night, and – fell and will be playing at number 20 Carolina in Chapel Hill on Sunday. Um, that's a, that's a string of six of seven games against ranked opponents for the women's team. Four of those being played away from home. Um, and the team also just announced that former coaching legend, Debbie Ryan will be honored as part of the national girls and women in sports day. Uh, when the host host Syracuse at 2 PM on Sunday, February 18th, so mark your calendars for that. Uh, Coach Ryan guided the women's team to 24 trips to the NCAA tournament, including three straight Final Four appearances, uh, 1990 to 92, and also 11 ACC regular season titles and three ACC tournament victories. Uh, she won Naismith Coach of the Year in 1991, also uh, led the USA basketball team and was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2008 and the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, something you're familiar with, Hootie, in 2012. Uh, so uh, awesome honor for Coach Ryan. Well, she deserves any accolades she can get. She's truly a legend. And uh, uh, she had a heck of a run leading Virginia's women for all those years. And, wow, um, I, I covered them um uh, on all their three Final Four trips, they're in a row. And uh, she had some incredible players. Of course, uh, Dawn Staley was uh, the gold standard for Virginia women's basketball. What an incredible player she was. And um, those were some incredible days that I'm sure Coach Mox, uh, who said she watched growing up, would like to duplicate here at Virginia someday and uh, uh, the way she keeps putting uh, good recruiting classes together, uh, she, she may get there. So uh, it takes time uh, to build a, a team to where it can win and to where it can challenge for championships. And uh, I'm sure that she's picked Debbie's brain 
from time to time on on how to get it done, and um, she probably will. And uh, again, Debbie Ryan is uh, one of a kind. Uh, what a great lady she is, and uh, glad to see her get another honor here coming up soon. Yes, indeed. And um, just what other is there? Are there any other things that you'd like to mention? What to expect on the website this week? or in the, in the next coming weeks? Well, we'll uh, keep following this basketball team hard um, starting tomorrow against the Deacons and uh, on into next week. Um, still keeping our eye on any possible transfer portal news. and uh, Recruiting that can happen at any time, anywhere. We hope to uh, beef up our podcasts uh, some starting next week and we'll just move on from there. And one more reminder, the Jerry and Jerry show, you can catch that on Tuesday at 10 15 AM. And you can, as, as Jerry was saying, you can find that just about anywhere. Uh, Spotify, Apple, uh, Apple tunes, iTunes, um, Apple music. Sorry. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, YouTube, you can actually find it on YouTube as well. So, and you Just can follow us. And, yep. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter if you're not already. And Hootie, would you like to thank our sponsors before we sign off? Yeah. Um, we can do this in, in our website without our sponsors. That's why we, we don't ask you to pay for subscriptions. We want to give it, make it accessible to everybody because when I first started out, we did do some subscriptions and um uh we had some people that that just couldn't afford it and uh they loved our work and and wanted to read it and so i, I felt like um the best way to to allow everyone to read our website is to make it free and uh to do that we have to have sponsorships to make it all work and we couldn't do it without our great sponsors um same here on the podcast where we're sponsored by the Aberdeen Barn, the Good Feet Store, and Roback. And um, you've heard their commercials throughout the show. And uh, we uh, certainly have uh, can can be a testament to all how great all three of those companies are. And we're proud to be associated with them. And uh, we're always looking for additional sponsorship help on the website and here on our podcast. So uh, if you'd like to become a member of our family and have a relationship, uh, we welcome that. Just email me at jracliffe7000 at gmail.com and we'll set up a meeting. All right, Hootie. And so tip off Saturday at 2 p.m. on ESPN2 if you can't make it to Lawrence Joel Coliseum as the Who's take on the Demon Deacons. And we'll be back next week to talk about it. And for Jerry Ratcliffe, I'm Scott Ratcliffe, and we hope you have a great day.